Johnson and you're listening to In Excess Accessible Areas with Hayden and B. with my Nexus nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in Excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Nexus Access All Areas, episode 149. GP, we're nearing the 150. The podcast that all dives deep in everything great about in excess, the band, our listeners, our patrons, everybody around the world, and most of all, my compadre B. How are you? We've done sort of two catch ups in two days, more shall be revealed. How are you? I'm really good, thank you, Hayden. I am really, really good. Yes, you'd be refreshed after a week off, wouldn't you? I am refreshed after a week off, but more energized after our interview. And yes. that's coming to come today. I yes. am super pumped that yes. um, we're going to um, deliver this for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, we've had a bit of a week's break and uh, pretty heavy workload, I guess, over the last three, four weeks. But as I said uh, at the outset, we are in excess access or areas. And I want to know, how has your in excess sort of fortnight been? Uh, we had to sign a legal agreement the other day, didn't we, B? We did. Um, it's, it's so confidential. We can't, even tell, we can't <laughs> even tell anyone about it. So, um, but it's not like we've done anything wrong. It's probably like we might mm. be entering a world where we get access to greater information. But uh, we will, uh, well, we can hint a bit about it a bit later in our news. But uh, uh, how's things been going in your in excess world and week? Yeah, it's been going really good. Thank you. I want to ask you about yours. You look like you've got more to tell than me this time. Oh. Okay, so let me get my thoughts together. Well, uh, we've been promoting, I guess it's no secret there, and I don't think we're going outside the uh, the bounds of legalities to say we've been promoting uh, the potential uh, Fan Friday weekly catch-up with a uh, in excess fan who's contributed to the book that's going to be coming out. That looks like it's starting to move ahead, and B and I, uh, we're going to be having a call with Inexcess Management and Universal and just finding out a bit more details uh, about this publication that's coming out. It's starting to emerge, so uh, mm-hmm. we will keep things reported. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I think overall, the gist of a Inexcess touring book with fan involvement is a great publication and great to hear because we've heard fantastic stories in our last three years about people going to Inexcess concerts. Um, Having them chronicled in a book with pictures and photos and anecdotes is going to be a fantastic read, isn't it? Well, I've been savvy to have a look at it and it looks absolutely fantastic. It's on par with the Chris Murphy book. You know, it's got Mm -hmm. that like pop art look to it. So yes, and there's three versions. So yeah, get saving everybody. It's going to be awesome. I think um, people are not going to be disappointed with this new book. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I can't wait to read everyone's stories, really. It's going to be fun. And I've been reading, uh, and we'll talk more about this, I guess, uh, and... uh, 
doing a bit of follow-up with Michael Browning, who was one of our guests recently, but been reading his Dog Eat Dog book, B. He sent me oh, a yeah. copy down. It's just fantastic. I mean, there's stories about NXS and and ACDC that we, we sort of covered briefly on the podcast are so elaborated on the book. So we will try to do something very soon regarding Michael's book and give people access to be able to maybe purchase that. But uh, it's very, very exciting read for those who do ultimately get a chance to do so. You, you know, when we did that, our birthday, and, and Manny let it out the bag that he's on to a book at the moment. Yes, yes. He's going to get management pr- approval on this, and um, Timmy will be able to do a forward for the book. And Hayden, I mean, it's it's down to you and, and a little bit with me that, you know, he's used a bit of the podcast for his research as well. So, you know, it's all hand in hand and it's it's like, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Well, Manny, Cat uh, B and I on 10% there, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll allow you to use the content. So there you go. All right. We'll donate the money to our rock and roll and Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's, that's how I like it. Um, yeah. Tickets. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Well, they're going to be a monster. Um, I know. Anything else come across your desk, B, in the last couple of weeks that, uh, you know? In excessive. Housekeeping? I've missed my girls because I've been working full time, so I've missed them. I haven't really oh. seen them. But I want to say hello to um, Danielle. It was her wedding anniversary the other day to her. Yep. And Joel, that was awesome. And hmm. I know that um, the girls have been really busy in the background. These are our girls that help us, by the way, if you're new to the program, we do have um, some girls in the background and they are just, they are patrons. They pay for us as well and they also give their time. So thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, speaking, I guess, of, you know, patrons and things like that, we are a little bit of a, a broken record, pardon the pun, but uh, we definitely need patrons to sort of move this podcast further and move ahead. And uh, we're going to welcome our patrons in a moment. But um, we also love subscribers too, B. Can you just maybe mention what a subscriber to our podcast is and also maybe giving reviews on our podcast because I guess that sort of helps us get sort of a, a greater sort of audience share and, and noticeability. Can you maybe help my naivety on those things? I can, Hayden. I really yeah. can. So we've got a website, which is you just put in our name, in excess Access All Areas, and you can subscribe to our um, our website and you will be able to subscribe to our newsletter as well, which is very, very informative. And then you won't miss a treat. You can also follow us on Podbean and onto Spotify so you will never miss a download as well yeah. or an upload. I get those mixed up. I upload, <laughs> you download. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of patrons, let's welcome all aboard who uh, are heart and soul and rank and file of how all this sort of is allowed to continue. So over to you, B, to welcome our patrons aboard. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary members, Tim Ferris, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkins, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, and Paul Jolie. Our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Carrier, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Lisa, Yvonne, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Tracy, Paul Buckley, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Val, Jim, Kelly, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Laos, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Angie, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Tracy, Vernon, 
Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark, Vern, Shane, Lachlan, Mandy, Rachel, Nick, Sula, Amy, Diana and Paula. And our special mentions are to Sue D, Joe Robbins, John A. Vink, Michael Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy and Jay Finlayson. Welcome to the podcast. All right, B. Well, uh, we're very, very lucky to have a, a guest coming on today uh, by the name of Bruce Butler. And uh, kudos to you for doing a lot of the groundwork and all the uh, liaising and chatting and engagement over the last few months. But uh, um, a bit of background sort of on Bruce. Um, you know, he is a real icon of the Australian uh, music industry. And I have to confess, up until the last few months, I had never heard of him. You know, which is interesting, not because I'm a know-all or whatever there, but he has achieved so much. But as always, I think you'll hear through this interview, he has been a guy about the bands and the artists he represents. Bruce has done everything in the Australian music industry and, and probably most relevant to our topic today, he is Ollie Olsen's manager and was there from the get-go with Ollie uh, and back there in the days uh, for Dogs in Space and, um, you know, knew, in, in, you know, knew Michael at a, a younger age and you know, obviously in excess of a lot of the band members and things. And we won't go into too much detail because we're looking forward to hearing from him today about what he shares and things. Uh, it's going to be a big world to have him on today. Such an amazing guest, guys. You're in for an absolute treat. I know I say that with a lot of these guys. I mean, even you said it was on par with Philip Mortlock. We knew, well, you didn't, but I knew what to sort of expect, but it just kept come in and unraveling yeah. yeah. and the amount so we, of knowledge yeah. this man has so and we, the fact that he is is not secondhand knowledge this is first-hand knowledge that he yeah. is telling us it's beautiful so, that's right so the interest of transparency we did this interview yesterday and B's going to be cut up into two parts mm-hmm. uh, first today and the second one next week but um we have probably got more exclusives and uh, oh. uh exciting news and facts that a lot of our uh, listeners will be really keen to know about dating into in excess to Max Q to Dogs in Space. There's so many little tidbits and facts and rumors that are being confirmed and things that are going to happen. And and you got to listen to these next two episodes because uh, there's some exciting news and developments uh, that are going to come. And you you guys are the first to hear to hear them. So yeah. without further ado, I'm going to hand ball over to you, B. We'll bring Bruce in. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And now it's time for Topic of the Week. All right. Well, uh, Bruce, welcome to NXS Access All Areas. We're really pleased to have you on. You've obviously been crossing paths with a busy B, and we've got lots of Bs today. We've got BB, Bruce Butler, and we have B as in Bridget. I'm H for Hayden, so I really can't help the B calls. But um, and thanks for coming on. Obviously, we're going to dive deep a little bit on your career and also the important project, most importantly, you've been dealing with lately. But how did you and B come across each other? Because all I've been hearing the last three weeks is Bruce Butler, Bruce Butler, Bruce Butler. B's been very excited about this one. And she uh, was really pleased to get you on. So maybe, maybe B, maybe connect the dots for our listeners how you and Bruce got in contact. Yeah. Well, um, back in February, Bruce released a post on his page, which was shared. And somehow it came to me about 
getting together to record Room for the Memories, which was actually on the day of Michael's 63rd birthday was the day that they recorded it. Is that correct, uh-huh. Bruce? And I that, just went, this... Yeah. This is this is fabulous, and I saw Nick Lornay's name mentioned and Richard Lowenstein. So I just thought, right, I'm just going straight to Bruce, and we had a great conversation. And he said he'd be happy when um, we, he knows more to tell us more. And we've been talking ever since, haven't we, Bruce? We have backwards and forwards as the project has progressed, and yes, and I'm I'm here now because we're right at that pointy end of the project where we're ready to release. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for sending a early sort of uh, secret version out of being either listen. I had a good uh, watch of it today, and uh, I love the nostalgic stuff, you know, in the the footage and the updated uh, parts of it. But maybe just to, to educate the listeners, uh, what was the motivation? How did it come about? And 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 tell us a bit of a backdrop how it all came together. Okay. Well, initially, um, I took Ollie uh, Ollie Olson into. Uh, the Australian Music Vault in Melbourne to be interviewed by Jane Gazzo uh, for his legacy interview. So they interview people of renown within the Australian music industry to keep in the vault there for future reference. So Jane was doing an interview with Ollie. I used to manage Ollie, you're still close friends, and he's unfortunately very unwell and is confined to a wheelchair. So I picked him up and I took him into... Uh, the studios in the city to record the interview. This was the first public announcement of Ollie's illness, which is a a very debilitating, um, incurable terminal disease. It's a form of Parkinson's. So it's a neurological disorder. Jane was very, you know, taken aback by his condition and the deterioration since she last saw him. So after the interview, she talked to me about doing something. She wasn't sure what, um, but then that turned into her setting up a GoFundMe. Uh, we put up a private GoFundMe for people to donate basically his care and his ongoing medical expenses. Now, that raised $20,000 very quickly, and it was secretive. Uh, Ollie didn't know about it. He did find out about it because some people found out about his condition via the GoFundMe. And so he starts getting phone calls from people saying, oh, I didn't know you were ill. I'm so sorry to hear it. But isn't it great Jane set up this GoFundMe? And he said, what GoFundMe? (laughs) But but during that time, um, Jane caught up with uh, Adelita, uh, you know, the singer from Magic Dirt, for those that don't know, very well-known and well-established Australian band. And she and Adelita were both talking about Ollie and they both found that Rooms for the Memory was their favourite Ollie song. And they both loved the song. And so Jane, again, came up with the idea, well, how about we re-record the song as a tribute to Ollie and as a potential fundraiser with Adelita singing. Now that soon turned into uh, Mick Harvey, who was in the birthday party and the bad seeds with Nick Cave and a longtime friend of Ollie's saying, well, I'll come in as musical director. He contacted Andrew Duffield from Models, actually performed in Ollie's first band, Whirly World, and the original Rooms for the Memory was a Whirly World song from like mm-hmm. 1978. 
um, which was never released. A version has turned up on YouTube now of a recording of Whirly World doing it, which says on YouTube that it's a live version, but I've checked with Ollie and it's a live in the bedroom, like it's a demo. <laughs> I have to tape, yes. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know that version existed. I thought the first time it was ever recorded was with Michael for Dogs in Space. So Andrew, who was on the very original and also on the Dogs in Space version, he's credited playing on that as well, is on this version doing the uh, programming and the keyboards. Matt Watson was brought in on drums who was in Ollie's last band, the Taipan Tiger Girls. So he was the drummer in, in Ollie's last band. That's the core of the band. And my daughter, Maddie, we were in the studio for the day and someone looked at her and said, uh, can you sing? And she sort of looked up at me and I went, yeah, 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 she can sing. <laughs> so she's put into the studio and she, she appears doing backing vocal. Well, I saw the name uh, Butler on the credits there after the thing. I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a little bit of nepotism on this one, but uh, it all sounded great. A lot of nepotism, uh, <laughs> pure nepotism. I even had her dressed in a Dogs in Space T-shirt. Oh, and brilliant. And she sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, um, I mean, she can really sing, so mm. yes. <laughs> awesome pure nepotism. Look, the, the project was coordinated by Jane Gazzo. I came into the studio just through my association with Ollie and, and you know, all the the people involved. While I was there, everyone's going, well, we've got, we're going to have a, a song at the end of this, but what do we do with that song? And so we started talking on the day in the studio about a B-side, maybe doing a, you know, seven-inch single, and we talked on that day about doing another Ollie song from Dogs in Space, Win Lose, mm-hmm. which is also another that harks back to uh, his Whirly World days and was released by Whirly World. The idea was we would have two songs and I came on board officially at that point, I suppose, to organise a commercial release for this record. And the idea was to continue along the lines of the GoFundMe and all proceeds from this project would be again, you know, funneled into Ollie's um, medical expenses. It didn't really take long. I mean, everyone started falling into place. Richard Lowenstein, as you say, is is involved. So he was in the studio all day with his whole crew. There were four of them there with cameras. So they filmed the entire day. Uh, he's now made that video that you referred to, that you've seen, um, which, you know, is is it's a beautiful representation of the day but also the meaning behind the whole project, which is to honour Ollie as as the composer, but also in memory of Michael. And as you say, it was a coincidence that it was recorded on Michael's yeah. birthday. They didn't know that when they booked the studio. You know, I came in and said, you know, today's Michael's birthday. And they went, what? And I said, and it's also the anniversary this week of Rooms for the Memory entering the chart in January 1987. It was actually the week it entered the chart. So the coincidences were, you know, were many. Um, I, think it was a, I think it was a top 10 hit at the time, wasn't it, you know? It was. Um, Didn't do quite as well as sometimes did later or Way of the World, but um, it was the start of that, you know, beautiful 
friendship between Ollie and Michael. They didn't really know each other until Dogs in Space and until Ollie worked on the music for the film and offered Rooms for the Memory as Michael's song for that album. There's nothing left to remember There's time, the clock's on go back into time a little bit and go back to France in 1986 when you were with Michael. Okay. So um, I was um, over in London in 86. I was working for Virgin Records and I was in London on holiday. Molly was in town. So Virgin Records said, oh, great, you're here. We don't like dealing with Molly. He's too crazy. (laughs) Um, Can you hang out with him um, for a week while he does all these interviews and things? So so I ended up sort of traveling around doing a lot of industry work that I wasn't really expecting to do. During that, um, I caught up with Nick Launay um, and I went around to his his house for afternoon tea with my partner and, and Nick's wife and a friend of mine. During the conversation there, Nick was saying, oh, well, I've just been mixing um, the material for Dogs in Space um, and I've just about finished Michael's single, Rooms for the Memory. Sounds fantastic. He didn't have a copy at home to play me. It wasn't, it was pre-digital age, so it was on big tapes in the studio. He said, oh, look, I'll have it finished soon and you'll get to hear it. And about a week later, my um, girlfriend and I were in France and we decided to um, go to Strasbourg um, because In Excess were playing a gig there with Talk Talk. We thought that's a good excuse to travel to Strasbourg. So we got on the train and went up there. We're hanging out with the band um, before and after the show. And I, I think it was just before the show, might have been after sound check, that a parcel arrived for Michael and it was a cassette from Nick Lornay. The only cassette player we had ac- access to was in the tour bus. So um, I know there was me um, Michael and my girlfriend Janet. I'm not sure. I know there was a couple of members of the band, but I'm not sure which ones. It might have been, might have been Kurt. We played the cassette, and it was the first time that Michael, me, or pretty much anyone except Nick, had heard the finished mix of Rooms for the Memory, and it was really quite an amazing experience because you could see how happy Michael was with hearing this and probably how unhappy members of In Excess were in hearing this. You know, it, it was a, a pivotal moment. It was Michael actually finding out that he could do something outside of In Excess mm. and it, it was really, really just a fantastic, uh, happy, memorable moment. And, of course, it's that that led on to uh, eventually uh, Michael and Ollie teaming up for Max Q. 
yeah, it was it was very exciting to be there and be be with Michael when he heard it for the first time. It's a it's a lovely story. I uh, looking at the video that uh, Richard's put together. One of the byproducts, I guess, but did resonate with me is some of the great footage of, of just Michael and Ollie and their friendship, and particularly, I think it's a lot of it's in New York around the maybe the uh, the Max Q promotional sort of time. It's actually all outtakes from the Way of the World video. Yeah, okay, thought so. And there's a there's a really interesting shot of Michael coming towards the camera, and, and Ollie's there, but you can see the twin towers in the background, and it's. Yeah, it's really just such a a place and time where all three of those people, you know, have had their own yeah. sort of, I guess, journeys. Be it two aren't with us anymore, be it the towers of Michael and and Ollie, what he's going through. It is a poignant shot. Oh, very much. Um, oh, look, it's it's hard for me. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do tear up. I wouldn't want to impose it on you, but it, it was it was sort of happy seeing their friendship. In their prime, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm trying to take it that way myself. I don't know if that makes sense. Ollie hasn't seen the video yet. Um, right. I spoke to him today and I am seeing him tomorrow, but I, I have I have said we're withholding it from everybody. <laughs> we're we're going to get do a get-together of all the people involved, the musicians and so forth, and we're going to have a little get-together where we will uh, show the video to everyone for the first time because I think that, emotional connection is going to be different for everyone. It would be nice to share it mm. um, and we'll play the music for everyone at the same time as well. But that footage that, that Richard shot at that time, a lot of it has stayed unseen since then. Uh, the footage at the end of the, the video, it's great because we got Nick Lornay in the studio. So we're thinking, oh, we don't have any footage of Nick and he, he sent us a stock photo of him for the cover, but... That footage was found after we had done the final edit of the video. Richard contacted me and said, oh, I've got a new ending for you. I'm going to send you the footage. And then he contacted me and said, I'm not going to send you the footage. I'm going to add it anyway, and you can see it when it's in there. And so that footage at the very end was a last-minute addition because that has not been seen. Ollie, Michael, and Nick in the studio recording the original version of the song. Oh, I feel so honoured. I feel so honoured to have seen that. Has, has Nick Lorne seen the video yet? Good question. Uh, <laughs> I haven't contacted him. Richard ha has been keeping him in the loop, um, so I'm assuming that he has, but if not, I've got to contact him anyway because... Uh, um, well, what will come out in this discussion anyway is the release date, which has now been changed. So I need to let Nick know that as well. For it to be in the store, we're looking at Friday the 14th of July, but it will probably go at least the single, um, the Adelita single edit will uh, be streamed prior to that as a teaser and it will be available to pre-order online before that. But, yeah, we're, we're not putting it into the store. Two reasons. One, there's been a bit of a delay in the cutting of the vinyl, and the second reason is uh, the distributor doesn't want to release it in the last two weeks of the financial year here in Australia. Retailers don't purchase anything, um, and having a, a retail background myself in over the years, um, it's true. They, like, our biggest retailer in Australia, JB Hi-Fi, will not buy any new stock in the last two weeks unless it's top-selling material, but they won't buy anything new. 
So it has been held up. It just gives us a little bit of extra time. We've got a couple of um, people coming on board to do the promotion and publicity, again, offering their services for nothing. Uh, one of them, Frank Ferrasso, who's doing all the radio promo for us, he actually did all the marketing for Mystify. So, you know, again, it's someone that's involved in in the family, you know, having, you know, Richard Laurenstein, having uh, Nick Lornay, all these people are part of Ollie's extended family. You know, everyone's on board. I mean, even MGM, who are the distributors for the record, they're owned by Sebastian Chase. Chase is Chase Records. Chase Records released the Dogs in Space soundtrack and the original win-lose single. So he's doing all the distribution for it. So it's it's amazing how many people from the past have sort of come back in to the project. Uh, the, all the artwork's being done by a guy called Andrew Till. Uh, Andrew's the younger brother of Gus Till, who was in Max Q. Uh, Andrew is also one of the partners with Ollie and I in the Psy Harmonics record label that we set up and ran straight after Max Q. So again, more in the family. Ollie's manager in the first place. How did that happen? Let's see. I, <laughs> I after I, I left the record company, so I mentioned that I was working for Virgin Records. So I'd been working for Sony prior to that. I set up Virgin Records in Australia um, and worked on that for a few years, and then I came down to Mel back to Melbourne because I was working in Sydney, and. In Melbourne, I was given the job of music producer um, and talent coordinator for a TV show called The Factory. The Factory was a three-hour Saturday morning um, music and youth affairs show when I got to pick all the music, um, which is a great power to have. It was the forerunner of uh, recovery um, for some of your younger listeners. On the factory, my my aim each week was to have at least three live artists, and they would be a big touring artist if there was an international artist that I could get my hands on, a big Australian artist that was currently touring or releasing something new, and then an unsigned artist. Every week I wanted to feature someone that didn't have a record deal. During the factory, I brought Ollie onto the show with his band No!, and they did a song called Hyper Reality, um, which never got released. I knew Ollie socially, and I'd first met him back in the 70s. So, you know, 10 years before this, when he was in Whirly World, we were crossing paths in the same social circles all the time. So we certainly knew of each other. I had him on the show with his band No, um, and in fact, I 
hoping to dig that footage up at some point. We started to become good friends then. I was already friends with Michael. I'd, I'd been friends with um, Michael since um, our teens because my uncle Harry went out with his mum, Patricia. We met up when, you know, Patricia came to our house in Melbourne one day and said, oh, you like music, you might know my son. He's in a band called In Excess. And I'm going, never heard of him. No, not a clue. And then uh, that was just before Christmas. And then in the new year, my mum and I went to Sydney and we went round to Patricia's house and I ended up, you know, sitting in Michael's bedroom talking music all day and we're friends ever since. So because of my friendship with Michael, the Max Q project started to come together and um, I, I was very close with Gus Till. Gus was saying, oh, you know, Michael and Ollie are together doing something. You've got to come along. So I was sort of hanging out, at, you know, around all that. I was still on my show. We were promoting Max Q. And uh, then after Max Q, Ollie formed a band with Gus called Third Eye. I had Third Eye on my new show, which was Countdown Revolution. They got a recording deal with uh, regular records. They were in the studio recording a cover of uh, The Real Thing, the Russell Morris song, which was a huge Australian hit, of course, uh, produced by Molly Meldrum. And Molly loved this version of it, and he was a friend of mine, so I'm playing it to him and everything. It just sort of came about that the ABC axed the show I was working on, Countdown Revolution. Third Eye had spent their entire album budget recording The Real Thing, so they didn't have a manager, the head of their record company is going, Bruce, you take control of this. Someone needs to. Gus and Ollie thought that was great. So I started managing Third Eye um, and I started managing other artists at that time. So I went out of television into artist management. Um, Third Eye sort of broke up after the first album. Um, Ollie continued Third Eye, but as a, a techno uh, instrumental group. So he's getting into trance music and techno. Whereas the first Third Eye album is similar in song structure to the Max Q album. So had there been an immediate second Max Q album, a lot of the songs on the first Third Eye album are probably the songs that would have been considered. Because all of the Max Q album are old Ollie songs. You know, despite the writing credits on the album, um, Ollie wrote all those songs. Most of them existed in another form. I've I've got the whole Max Q album in a demo form sung by Ollie before Michael wow. was even. Wow. Yeah, I said this to Hayden a while back, didn't I, Hayden? I don't know because I sent him a lot of stuff and he go, goes. But Ollie seems to have been obsessed with the words blood and bones quite a lot and he – he had. <laughs> did he have a band called that as well, or there was a song or an album? It was a band called mm. Orchestra of Skin and Bones. That's where we get from. Yeah. Now, Orchestra of Skin and Bones did the original version of Sometimes, so that appears on the Orchestra of Skin and Bones album, and so does Ot Ven Rot. That's also um, an Orchestra of Skin and Bones. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they were both released on on that. And on Orchestra of Skin and Bones, there's uh, John Murphy, the drummer from Max Q, is on there. 
um, and from Ollie's other band, No, um, Mari Hoy and Michael Sheridan. Um, and Michael Sheridan's in Max Q as well. Um, he's in Orchestra of Skin and Bones. You've got to continue Rooms for the Memory was a song that Ollie had from from the 70s that he'd never released. So he likes to go back into the past and, well, here's an idea I had. Let's work on that. There was talk about a second Max Q album just before Michael passed away. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, Ollie, Ollie and Michael, you know, didn't fall out, but um, it got to the point where Ollie's going, oh, well, Michael's a pop star. He can ring me. And Michael's saying, well, why, why won't Ollie ring me? You know, he should <laughs> ring me. And I'm this in-betweener. When Michael came out to Australia um, for that final In Excess tour and they were rehearsing for the tour, I was on the road with one of the artists that I was managing, a girl called Monique Brumby, and we were in Perth doing some shows, actually with Michael Sheridan on guitar from Max Q. I was talking to Michael, so this is only about two days before he died, unfortunately. He had said he'd finally got in touch with Ollie and that he was talking to him. And I said, great, let's, you know, when we're all back in Melbourne, so when In Excess get down to Melbourne, you, me, Ollie, will sit down and talk about another Max Q album. Because the conversation that I had with Michael that day was, you know, saying that he'd been trying to do another solo album or trying to do a solo album. Then he was naming people like, um, you know, Andy from uh, Gang of Four. Andy and Gill. Andy Gill, yeah. So he said he'd done some work with him. Chris and Tina, you know, uh, Chris Franz and Tina Weymouth from Talking Heads that he'd done some work with them. And he'd worked with, you know, three or four different producers trying to come up with something that excited him as much as Max Q and that he wasn't happy with any of it. Oh. And so he was very excited about doing another Max Q album, whether, whether it would be Max Q, but another album with Ollie. And most likely it would continue as Max Q, but um, that never got to the point of being decided. But he wanted to do another album with Ollie. Ollie had a lot of songs. Um, again, things from, you know, that have been in the vault, some unfinished ideas. Um, and Ollie ended up doing um, an album under the name Primitive Ghost. It was done for Warners, so it was a major label album. And this is um, a couple of years after Michael's death. The songs on that are probably the, the songs, many of which would have ended up being in the second Max Q album. They're very different in style to what they would have been with Michael. With Michael, it would have been a far more structured and, and commercial sound like Max Q. Primitive Ghost is more sort of getting into the drum and bass. It sounds more like, say, the Prodigy 
um, for want of a better term. But Warner's never released that album. It still remains unreleased. They released a single called Skin. It got into the top 40. Triple J Radio were playing it. It was doing really well, but then there was a change of management, including A&R at Warner's. I got a phone call one day, and we were literally in a film studio in uh, St Kilda about to start filming the video for the second single after Skin before the album release, and I got a phone call to say, oh, we're pulling the plug on the entire project. Do not film this video. We will not pay for it. That's it. We're not going ahead. So the album was finished. I can reach out now and and grab a copy of the master tape. (laughs) It's sitting here. It's ready to go. But that, for me, some of the songs on that Primitive Ghost album are are clearly songs that would have worked well with Ollie and Michael in the Max-Q format. Yeah, I continued to manage Ollie for years. We set up a record label called Sty Harmonics, which was uh, Australia's first all-electronic music label. We released... Uh, I don't know, 50-odd albums by different artists here and around the world. Very successful label. After Ollie and I finished with it, Andrew Till, who I mentioned before, continued the label and it still sort of has a presence online. Um, And in fact, you'll find this new release um, is licensed from Psy Harmonics. We're using that name um, as our company name or Ollie's company name, I should say. Yeah, apart from Psy Harmonics, uh, we we had a nightclub called Psychic Harmony and we had this weird little teenager come in every Thursday night and set up these computers to show people what the internet looked like. Woo. Um, and uh, he, he went by the name of the professor. You now know him as Julian Assange. He was our, He was our little nerdy guy on a Thursday night because he didn't want to get tracked to his house where he'd been arrested once already at his mum's place, um, <laughs> he was setting up the internet in our nightclubs and <laughs> he couldn't be traced. Um, oh, I don't this? know. Uh, this would have been 90, oh, 94, 95. Oh, my God. This is brilliant. You're uh, probably my favourite guest of all time now. <laughs> <laughs> they'd like to dance, and there's a classic photo uh, of him, which I have seen printed in, in the press of, of Julian on the dance floor, off his face, doing the whole, oh, you know, oh, tripping out to techno music. Oh. He, he was a bit of a...
I'm going to put a lid on my questions and let Hayden have a go. Well, no problems. I mean, look, a lot of the stuff we, you know, we don't have. This was not aiming to be a sort of structured thing. You obviously, every time you say something, Bruce, I have about sixteen tangents of things I want to ask you. But I guess one of the compelling things is, you know, you met Michael, you know, pre-stardom, and you know, we are in the access podcast. But you know, Ollie, you know, our episode on Max Q and the stuff we talked about with Ollie is one of our highest downloaded podcasts. You know, in terms since we started. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, great. no, we we hope did, we did, I, did my, I did my research. Oh, okay, okay. Well, we hope we did it justice. Uh, and and when we say that, that's no no neighbor guys. We, we were just more like taken back by the audiences around the world who wanted to um, investigate that album more because a lot of listeners can't just go buy that in you know Copenhagen or couldn't stream it or whatever. So a lot of people, you know, couldn't get access to no, it. And, no one yeah. can buy it, and you shouldn't be able to be able to stream it at this point. The album was financed privately by Michael. So he owned it. It wasn't a record company thing. Uh-huh. And the album was licensed um, by his manager, Chris Murphy. Mm. And Chris did a, a license in Australia with Sony Music. I think mm. it was still CBS then. Yeah. Um, so with CBS in Australia, with Polygram in Europe and the UK, and I think with Atlantic in, in America and, and Japan – Japan might have been to Shiba EMI even. It was like a different label in every territory. Part of the Japanese thing with Max Q, he said, oh, if you want Max Q, which they did, you have to take my label, you know, the the label that, uh, what, what was it called? Um, uh, Ruart or Ruart? Ruart, yeah. yeah. So he couldn't get a distribution deal in Japan. He said, if you want Max Q, you've got to take Ruart. So, you know, always the shy stuff. Yes. Um, but... <laughs> The deals with those labels were only for five years. So at the end of five years, all of those record labels had to stop manufacturing and selling the Max Q album. Right. So it was only available for sale officially for five years. So that means for 25 years now, it has not been available. You can only buy secondhand copies. And because no one owns the rights, no commercial entity owns the rights, it's never been available legally or officially for streaming. It's owned by Tiger Lily directly. Right. Yeah. So, so, so not the estate. We don't talk about the estate. No. I need perfection. Some twisted selection. That tangles me. So, so Richard, when he was able to get some songs onto the the Mystify soundtrack, maybe through Tiger Lee's efforts with the record label, that's how Ott Van Rot got on there and a couple of other tracks, I think, from Max Q. Okay, uh, Richard, if you're listening, sorry if I'm overstepping the mark. Right. But um, with Mystify, originally, you know, it was going to have lots of in excess yeah. music. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. You can go free for all of this because Richard has unloaded on our podcast. He's He's told us. But we'd love your word. We'd love your words to back up his words. Okay. Well, well. Basically, Chris Murphy came in at the last minute and said, "You can't have any any of the in excess stuff." 
Mm. And so Richard was going to be stuck with things that he'd filmed live because he owned the live footage and the sound that went with it he could get the rights for. Mm. But as for In Excess music videos and sound recordings, Chris Murphy said no. And it was under the guise of, oh, well, the band In Excess, they're going to make their own documentary so they don't want to give you the stuff. So Richard and I started talking and it was all about, okay, let's fill the music up with basically a soundtrack of Max Q and the bits of In Excess that I have access to. So I was going to feature a lot more Max Q. He came to me because I've got all the different 12-inch mixes. I've got all the demos. There's one song that was recorded that Michael sings that has never been heard. And I've got that master tape sitting just over here next to me. So that there's there's material there that can be used. Chris Murphy then did a deal with Universal who were going to release Richard's Mystify soundtrack, which was going to be sort of a compilation of In Excess songs. And they said that they would put a minimum of three Max Q songs on it. So we're going to get something reissued. Chris Murphy comes in and says, you've got my label, Petrol, and that's got all the In Excess uh, catalogue on it. If you want to keep that, you can't release uh, Richard's soundtrack. You have to release my Mystify soundtrack. And that's why we got this Mystify Michael Hutchins record that's got no music that's in the film, has nothing to do with Richard, has yeah. no Max Q on it, and it killed the possibility for the Max Q album because Universal was saying, well, we'll do the soundtrack to Mystify and let's look at reissuing the Max Q album because at that time we had Tiger Lily talking and saying, yes, Ollie is the other person that has to give permission for Max Q to be released because he owns all the publishing. So... We had the two people that could say, yes, let's reissue it. So Chris Murphy killed all of that. But then In Excess sort of said, oh, yeah, you can have music. So less Max Q was used in the film, more In Excess, and that's fine. I mean, that's that's kind of appropriate yeah. to the story that's being told anyway. So I'm very happy that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it did kind of put an end to... Max Q. The potential reissue at that time of the Max Q album. Can I ask you with that, yep. does the Max Q, I mean, obviously Chris has passed and I understand there's legacy issues and ownerships mm. and godfather, grandfather deals or whatever. Mm. Is there, you mentioned just interestingly a moment ago that Ollie still owns the publishing, you know, within Max Q. Is there a world where Max Q can get a re-release in some format and what would have to occur for that to occur? Because I think there was a question around the time when we recorded the podcast, please, how does this get another shelf life? Because it did get onto iTunes and we had to get that taken down, didn't we, because of copyright? Yeah, I'm just wondering because you're obviously right at the centrepiece of how this, well, you probably know how this could get brokered or if it could get brokered, um, Bruce. And, and stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> and um, you know what? I can I, see Hayden running man to your slipping to that demo right away. <laughs> well, the, um, the the song is uh, called Anticipation, so it's very appropriate. Oh, how appropriate! Yeah. 
the great thing that happened during Mystify, which was one of our problems for the last 20 plus years, is that no one knew where the original master tapes were for Max-Q. They had disappeared. Chris Murphy didn't have them. None of the international record labels had master tapes. And Michael, um, they didn't appear to be in his possessions after he died. They weren't located. We know that had they been able to be located, Chris Murphy would have definitely done something with them. That dreadful human being that was looking after Michael's estate would definitely have done something. No one had the tapes. And I was approached by a couple of labels, V2, the offshoot of Virgin Records. V2 approached me way back in the 90s. So after the five-year lease had gone, Mm. they approached me saying, look, we want to re-release the album and we want to do it as a, a double deluxe edition. This is in the 90s, so far back. And I'm going, yeah, well, we've got, you know, we've got all these 12-inch mixes of Way of the World and Sometimes, and we've got the B-side songs. We've got the original demos with Ollie singing. There's so much material. We could really do a triple album. But we just couldn't find the master tapes. Now, they turned up during Mystify. Mystify. They were were in the possession of one of In Excess's uh, road crew who had um, put them away in a lockup for safekeeping, and they just turned up and were handed over. I won't say where they are because there's a lot of vultures, but the master tapes, the original multi-track tapes, have been not only found but they have been converted digitally, so they are now available and ready to remix I'll say Ollie doesn't really want it remixed. He was very happy with the the mix of the album, but remastered to bring it more into line with um, you know contemporary sound because it, it could be brightened up. You know, the original album sounds all right. The CD is quite dull, um, so it could be you know beautifully brought back into life and released with some extra material. So for that to happen is not a huge ask at this point. It won't happen quickly. I mean, I I can't imagine it's going to come out this year, but it could be something to look forward to next year. Oh, my God, this is heaven to hear. Thank you. Thank you for finding them, whoever you are. number one in Nexus podcast and now it's time for fan engagement well hello beautiful bee hello danielle how are you it's been a while it has been a long time i'm so happy to see you and talk to you and you too and you too it's um well we've got i've got a huge amount to talk about here in fan engagement and uh, can't wait to share some of these with you i can't wait to share my engagement either but holy cow that interview with Bruce. I cannot wait for part two next week. 
<laughs> it was pretty special, wasn't it? Some of those things that he said, oh my goodness. I didn't realize he had such a history with NXS as well. So, and Ollie. So, yeah, looking forward to getting next week's out to you too. But we've got some sad news, haven't we? That happened only a couple of days ago. We lost the godmother of rock and roll, Tina Turner. At the age of 83, she had a long battle with cancer and unfortunately she passed away a couple of days ago. So peace now be with her and thanks to uh, what she's left behind. Well, for me, you know, she brought a lot of energy and she did a lot for women in rock and roll and brought them to the forefront with dignity and power. So thank you, Tina. Yes, I was a a Tina Turner fan when I was younger. Of course, what love got to do with it. And then the movie, seeing what all she went through with with her early life with Ike and and oh yeah the abuse and all that she really came back to to show that she was a very very strong woman so we uh, we appreciate women like that and we are definitely sad to to have lost her yeah and at the end of this segment we'll be sharing something very special with you as well so hold on in there i want to talk about something good that's happened today on the aria chart Facebook page and I noticed that NXS's album is back in the charts. Not back in the charts, but has gone into the top ten. It's at number eight, Danielle. What what? Number eight. Yeah. Wow. What has happened? Thank you, everybody who's been buying the album again. And it's it is good. Go out, buy the vinyl. Sniff the vinyl. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Let's get it up into number one. For one with a bullet. Number one with a bullet. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Love it. So maybe it's thanks to all the gorgeous young fans out there as well that are really getting on board and enjoying In Excess's music. Um, did you see the picture of baby Robbie today as well? Adorbs. Adorbs. We love little, little, little ones like that that are In Excess fans. So Thank you to the parents that are uh, actually showing and listening to uh, NXS and teaching the young ones. That right would be Di- yeah, that's Diane. Um, so thank you, Diane, for sending me that photo today of little Robbie wearing his patron badge. So we'll put that into the post later. And also I want to give a big hello to another young man that I met a couple of weeks ago at an NXS gig. It was actually at the Don't Change gig down in Toronto. He was 12. I've forgotten your name, mate. So please get in touch. It'd be really nice to um, even have a little chat with you and and find out how you became an NXS fan. So, yeah. And if you are another young fan, get in touch with us. We want to hear from you too. I want to also give a big shout out to another team that I'm, I'm part of, which is the Australian Music Fans Facebook page. We have just hit 34,000 followers. Massive effort, everybody. And a big hello to Miles, who is a fellow Uber in excess fan and for joining the team this week as well. So yeah, look out. There'll be lots of in excess things happening on that page. So that's the Australian Music Fans Facebook page. Fun page, especially for people that don't know a lot of Australian music. I started following that, obviously. And there's a lot of insights and a lot of Australian artists that I would have never really noticed or paid attention to. And because of that Facebook page, I actually understand some things now. So 
I will say thank you so much to the Australian Music page for enlightening me on Australian music. You're welcome. Yeah, we have some good stuff on there. Um, obviously, people are liking it, 34,000 of them. Um, we've got a couple of birthdays. One in particular is Kylie Minogue. I should be so lucky. No, oh, yes, we should be so lucky. And thanks for putting that post out, you, you in the team. That has gone off. Please, everybody, share these posts. They're amazing. So this one is of Kylie backstage at Wembley. And the look on Michael's face, he was very happy to see her, wasn't he? Was that happy or was that surprise? I don't know, but he grabbed hold of her as if he didn't want to lose yeah. the prize. Yeah, it was a big grin. It was a big grin. So yeah, yeah, it was happy. Yeah. And that reflects on when I had the interview with Sandy when she was in the um, sound booth, um, not sound booth, but the mixing desk at Wembley and Kylie came and stood next to her and she said she saw Michael see her and he was beaming. Oh, so Aww. there was still a lot of love there, I reckon. Still a lot. Aww. And um, so, yes, it's more birthdays. Some people that are very special to me and the podcast is David and my very special own Karen Peters, who is my um, <laughs> alumni when I go to see all these gigs everywhere up and down the country. So a big special happy birthday to David and Karen. Happy birthday, David. Happy birthday, Karen. We love you. I've seen there's a few people being getting in touch with us via our website, um, which is inaccessallareas.com. What have you had um, come to you there, Danielle? Because you look after that, don't you? Oh, gosh. We've had several people. So I'd love to give a big hello to John and Edwu and Kara, someone named Similar Blights. But our most recent, I would love to say hello to David. And we were very happy that we got to help you on your flight back from Greece to the UK. He has just started listening from episode number one. Really? And he was talking about B and he didn't quite understand why she didn't like the song in vain. But we have now progressed in all these episodes to understand why B didn't exactly like it at first. So there you go, David. We're very happy to make you happy on your flight back. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, David. Yes, 150 episodes later, I do like that song now. It was very new to me. It was a bit different. It wasn't the NXS that I sort of remember coming in at Listen Like Thieves. So um, thank you. And I hope that you can catch up. I'm st I still hope you're listening to the, the downloads that were dropping each week and then you're still going back. I feel that a lot of people do this. So thank you very much for listening to all our past episodes too. Well, I just have to ask you, B. have you gotten over that steamy, scintillating interview with uh, Dell? Because that was pretty steamy there well it's um it's still going on it's rather nice because he's been sending me gifts danielle which is rather nice and um, now these oh. yeah 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 i want to share with you i might even put them on the socials actually so that people can see them this isn't to do with in excess even though dell my gorgeous um in excess um front man from the australian in excess show which you can still get tickets for everybody um if you can find that on the previous episode that i did with dell and um, he sent me some t-shirts for his band for him um, some t-shirts and I've got the album and I can't wait to to listen to it again although I listen to it digitally I don't think I'll open the vinyl actually but look at this Danielle this is a poetry book of Dell's poems called Red Threads 
absolutely gorgeous. So any Dell fans out there, Delacoma fans out there, I should say, um, get in touch with him and you could probably get a copy of these books as well, direct from him. Um, wonderful, beautiful poetry. Thank you so much, Delacoma. And let me tell you, that cover of Red Threads, that's uh, that's hang up worthy in a poster. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Above your bed. <laughs> <laughs> I love fangirling. I can't do this with Hayden. So thank you for coming on and doing this. <laughs> You're um, so welcome. Memorial Day weekend here in the States and for Memorial Day weekend we may have some fans out there that have served our country uh, men or women and so I would love to say thank you so much for your service and if you're an NXS fan we thank you even more Okay, I think this is about a wrap-up of this segment. What I do want to say, though, is if you see any of our posts, especially the Tina Turner post that we're about to um, share with you, we posted this a few days. It hasn't had much traction, so I do please plead with you, go back onto our Facebook page and find this Tina Turner audio and share it because it's things like this that are going to make In Excess relevant to what's going on now. God bless Tina, but Tina actually sang in 1990, New Sensation. This is new to us and the team and to, I don't think even in excess knew about this. So, um, and I don't think they've shared it onto their socials. So we're sharing it. And if we can push it out, that would be brilliant. So get back on there, guys. Share it with all your friends. Share it onto all the different in excess pages and enjoy this beautiful rendition of New Sensation by Tina Turner. It's a goodbye from me, Danielle. And it's a goodbye from me, B. Have a great weekend. Bye, B. Bye. Hey, this is Paul Jolly from Sydney, and this is the big rap. Robbie, well, that's a little bit of a wrap. Uh, how fantastic was that? Part one. Gee, we were like giddy little kids there. I was looking at you and you were looking at me and we had such a fun time there with Bruce. And, and again, such a giving guest. Yes, I've not edited much out of this, guys. Um, yeah. It's all in there, um, warts and all. So um, I'm glad you enjoyed that. And um, There's lots of nuggets coming. I know that he mentioned something about watch this space for Max Q next week. So uh, that is exciting. And for me... And a lot of the girl listeners, I heard there's a lot more of Michael's bottom going to be coming out in the next videos. And I laughed and he goes, yeah, Michael, I would love you to see his bottom. Hello, ladies. Obviously, from the outset there, you know, really a lot of this episode is dedicated in a way to Ollie and, and, and raising money. And we understand that the GoFundMe page is still open, we believe, and you can still make a contribution. And uh, I guess we're going to try and have some links, you know, on our pages to that and then maybe have some links to the new recording of Rooms of the Memory uh, when it when it launches, for especially those overseas who want to pre-order and things. Great just being involved with something like this, be that's, uh, you know, Giving to, giving to somebody else who's in need and a community of, uh, of people like our community being able to contribute and help in any way they can, you know? And it's so wonderful that there's, you know, Nick Lorne was involved and uh, Richard Lonestein and all these people that have worked with Ollie from the past and 
And the bit that got me, Hayden, was when we first started talking to Bruce and we were talking about the video and he welled up, didn't he? Do you remember? Yes, yes. I, did you notice how I sort of subtly moved on quickly? And you subtly moved on. You did, you did. And I was thinking, oh, my God, this is a brother. This is yeah. a brother that he has, you know, seen. Well, even like Michael, I mean, that's raw as well, you know. They've yeah. known these since they were kids. And Bruce, wow. I mean, for me, he's the king of vinyl at the moment as well. I think the other interesting thing too is, you know, since we've been going for three years, there is a little bit of a nice tie-in from the fact that we were chatting to Bruce today, yet he knows Philip and Moloch and, and obviously his work, you know, with Richard Lowenstein with this latest clip and um, Nick Lorne, who we've interviewed before, Nick Lorne, we've interviewed before, and there's a few little sort of tie-ins which are quite nice there. So can't wait for episode two to go out for people to digest and, and things like that. And uh, let's come together as a community to help. And uh, I guess we'll probably pause a few of our revenue raising initiatives just outside the patron program, like raffles and things, and put a bit of our effort towards uh, somebody else over the next few weeks with uh, this particular one too. Yes, so listen out for next week because we will have um, some of the records to give away and hopefully they will be signed. Now, B, I have a little bit of a truncated version of the news to finish off. We've been away a couple of weeks, but um, <laughs> I thought we'd just do a little bit of a uh, brief little news. Little Go ahead. Go so ahead. Can we, can we put our little stinger in? At, what's it time for? It's time for the news. I'm John from California and this is the news. Well, B, I, I just want to ask uh, for you, what, what is so popular about August, you know, that makes people stay at home? Like why do, why do people stay home in August around the world over the last number of years? Is there anything in your neck of the woods that makes August a popular time or not? No. No? Okay. Because I've got about 15 babies that were born in May. Oh. We've all had birthdays, and these are some most famous people. Be so. If I think back uh, to in August, oh, a lot you of these people. August. Oh, yeah. wait. Yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> Nine months. Okay. So here we go. Brian Eno, okay, who's produced for NXS before or helped mix, turns seventy-five in the last week or two. Uh, Ian Asprey, good friend of Michael, they threw telef- they threw TVs out the window. They uh, did. Yeah. Ian Asprey from the Colts, sixty. Oh my God, those white leggings. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, carry on. <laughs> David Byrne uh, turned seventy-one from Talking Heads. Michael contributed a vocal off an off a Talking Heads album called "Less Talking, Just Head." Oh, that's right. And also, Bruce Butler mentioned that he went to he a did, concert with um, them as well, supporting. Uh, Pierce Brosnan turned seventy. James Bond, uh, no link there to NXS, but uh, happy birthday, Pierce! Uh, Trent Reznor from uh, Nine Inch Nails turned fifty-eight. Uh, Richard Clapton, friend of the band and uh, uh, I guess uh, one-time guest for us and one-time producer, turned seventy-five this week. So happy! Oh, birthday. we love you, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, this is I'm going to try to pronounce correctly for Devo fans out there. Uh, Mark Mothersbow turned 73. He's the one with the glasses in Devo. Mothersbow. Uh, Mothersbow. B-A-U-G-H. Yeah, heard a surname like that. That's- yeah. Hmm. Okay. Sounds very English. You know, English love to have the two Maybe. words within the name. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah, he uh, he's 73. He was the guy who sang uh, the leader Whippin' and Beautiful World and things. Okay. Um, uh, James Rain, uh, Australian floor vocalist, uh, long-time solo artist here in Melbourne, 66 this week. Uh, Cher, or Sher, depending on the way you uh, pronounce it, was 77 uh, in the last week, although her face looks 27. Ivor Davies of Icehouse, contemporary of NXS, uh, turned 68 this week. 
This is a big list. <laughs> this is a big list. I just, as I'm trying to work out, all these mums and dads in August around the world, there's something about staying home in August. Mm, is um, there a blackout? Lane Beachley, okay, today, I think it's her birthday today, the time recording be, uh, or as we might say, Lee Pengelity or Kirk uh, Beachley, whatever. Uh, Lane's birthday today, out of respect for Lane, we're not going to mention her age, I'm going to say happy birthday, Lane. Yes. Yes. I've got a little bit of news, unless you've got some Please fire away. Please give me a chance to draw breath. Yes, you draw breath while I say Matchbox 20. A touring? Are coming to Australia. Let's grab... Let's grab. <laughs> Let's grab Rob Thomas before he gets here. Ah. What, do you reckon? Wow. what do you reckon? Maybe we could maybe we could get on to Timmy or Andrew or someone then see if behind the scenes. Because even hey. John John's good friends. Hey, look, I'm gonna put the business suit on and I'm gonna have tape over my mouth, you said. So you yeah. <laughs> can ask the universal yeah, yeah. Okay. people, put that on the list of things that we would like. Yes. Okay. That's a great idea. Rob, they've got some they're touring with, haven't they? Is that right? There's someone else they're touring with alongside. There's I'm under- sure they'd probably have a few, yeah. wouldn't they, around the country? No problems. Yeah. All right. Now, a little bit of news. Uh, here in Melbourne, Inaccessive have kindly donated to our show two live uh, tickets to go see them on June 24th at the Bunjil or Bungle Place in Nari Warren, uh, which is a indigenous word for good songs, great melodies. Oh, uh, okay. so- oh cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was a joke. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm so bloody gullible. You, you believe me there. I can see you believe me. But uh, no, the June 24, two tickets to go. Uh, so we'd love to give them away to some some locals in town. We've got a lot of uh, – If not, me and you are going. Okay, we'll go. All right. <laughs> um, and the last thing we want to go out with today, be a little bit of a tribute song. We can't do anything other than go out for the original version of Rooms uh, for the Memory today. Uh, so we're going to go out with that as our song. Now, there is going to be the new mixed version that you and I have both heard and we've both seen the video and we can't wait to talk more and more about them, although in this episode and next episode we probably have. But we will be able to dive deep a bit more. What I'm really stoked about is that yep. we got to see it before the actual band who have <laughs> we recorded it. Like, Fantastic. Wow, we are thank you, yeah. honoured. But we would like to sort of acknowledge this one and, and as, uh, you know, Bruce sort of talks to me about Michael's reaction first hearing this uh, uh, version for the first time. Now, um, I know uh, this song charted, I think, in the top 10 in Australia and it was a, a big confidence boost, I think, to Michael, as we know. And uh, it's just a great song that that initially when I heard it, it took a while to grow on me, but it's one of those ones, once it hits you, you're like, wow, I love it for life. So uh, we're going to go out today with rooms for the memory for Michael, for Ollie, for all those who have lost, uh, you know, somebody in their life. We think this is a fantastic tribute song. Do, 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 do. News flash. Um, Bruce has just messaged me to say that um, there's going to be an early release now. So just confirming that Adelita, the single, is coming out on digital on June the 16th. And then Michael's version will be coming out on June the 30th. And that will be an EP digital. And then the physical will be coming out in July the 14th. Bruce would like me to play you a little snippet of the Adelita version. So here we go. And now, Hayden, you can say goodbye. Uh, it's a goodbye from me. We love you, Wally. It's a goodbye from B. There's a corner to this room where there's nothing left to remember. 
And you've been listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B.